during my career in intelligence, I had the opportunity to travel a lot and I lived overseas in a lot of different types of countries. And I noticed that a lot of places I lived, I didn't have cystic acne. I had no problems with my skin. It was just effortlessly clear. And then I would return to the States even to visit and I would start breaking out again. So I knew it was something I was being exposed to or something in my diet. And I suspected it was in the water pretty early on because I could tell when I washed my face if it was going to be one of those places that I had bad skin. I didn't know what, what it was in the water, um, but I knew it was something related to the water. When it came to eating and dieting, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I interviewed over a thousand women and I said, what did you do? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what did you eat? How'd you do it? If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, The Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode, and I'm really excited for today's guest because she's going to be talking about something that so many of us struggle with, but we don't really want to talk about, and that is acne. And she's going to specifically be talking to us about how acne is connected to the water we drink. And so Melissa Gallico has lived a fascinating life. She was a military intelligence officer. She's a Fulbright scholar, and she provided intelligence support to the FBI. So she has written a book called The Hidden Cause of Acne, which is really fascinating, and it's very eye-opening. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. Well, your skin is beautiful, so <laughs> we can look at your skin. If you're listening to this podcast, you can always watch it, but her skin is beautiful. So talk to us a little bit about your own struggles with acne and how you connected it to the fluoride that you were consuming. So I had pretty severe cystic acne for almost 20 years since I was a teenager, um, well into my 30s. and. It was mostly along my mouth and jawline, which is common in adult women, um, but also in severe cases, it would extend to my forehead, down my neck, my back, my chest, even inside my earlobes, I would find these very painful cysts. And I saw a lot of dermatologists and doctors and went through all the normal treatments. I tried Accutane, I did the retin retinol treatments, I had all kinds of prescription creams, and then I tried holistic treatments and nothing really got to the root cause of my acne. But during my career in intelligence, I had the opportunity to travel a lot and I lived overseas in a lot of different types of countries. And I noticed that a lot of places I lived, I didn't have cystic acne. I had no problems with my skin. It was just effortlessly clear. And then I would return to the States even to visit and I would start breaking out again. So I knew it was something I was being exposed to or something in my diet. And I suspected it was in the water pretty early on because I could tell when I washed my face if it was going to be one of those places that I had bad skin. I didn't know what, what it was in the water, um, but I knew it was something related to the water. And then eventually I, I just thought about fluoride because I had seen a lot of literature that says Fluoride in toothpaste, like topical exposure to fluoride, can cause perioral dermatitis, which is a type of an acne-like condition around the mouth and jawline. So I thought, 
you know, I, I had gotten rid of my fluoridated toothpaste by then. And, um, but I just thought, well, could drinking this also cause acne? And it was really simple to test that theory. I stopped drinking fluoridated water. And right away, I saw a really dramatic improvement. It didn't go away completely, but I saw enough of an improvement to think I was onto something. And I would get a flare up and I would go look at what I ate that day and compare it with the literature on fluoride and see, was there anything in my diet that I ate that contains a lot of fluoride? And sure enough, there was something like chicken soup or cereal or beer that was brewed in a fluoridated city. And I was able to eventually completely eliminate my acne just by avoiding these excess sources of fluoride in my diet. Wow. So talk about which food. So talk about that a little bit more. So you said chicken soup. Um, what were the other ones that you were saying that foods that were high in fluoride? It's really, it seems so random if you don't know the rationale behind why these foods contain fluoride. So I go into depth in that in one of the chapters in my book. So you can really understand because it's not all chicken soup. It's just certain chicken soups. And it's because when, when we consume fluoride, it accumulates in our bodies. It bioaccumulates there. The National Academy of Sciences estimates a half-life of fluoride in bone of 20 years, which means when you consume fluoride today, half of it will still be in your bones 20 years later. The same thing happens with chickens when they consume fluoride. So if they're drinking fluoridated water or it's a common pesticide on their feed, so if they're eating feed that's high in fluoride, it will accumulate in their bones. And if you use those bones to make soup, which a lot of people do now, it's, it's a great, you know, great thing to eat if it's not filled with fluoride. Um, it, it caused some of the worst reactions on my skin. So I would never have been able to put that together if I hadn't already figured out, you know, the fluoride theory. And then I had the worst flare ups and I went back and saw that it was from these chicken products. So it's mostly so if things you, like, let's say you got some organic chicken bones and you were going to make your homemade chicken soup at home. Do you think that that would have fluoride in it? So it depends. You're definitely doing better by getting organic poultry. But there's a possibility that the chickens drank fluoridated water, which really isn't considered in the organic labeling process. So ideally, you would know your farmer. You can ask your farmer what the chickens are exposed to, what they're drinking. And at first, I thought I couldn't consume even organic chicken broth because I tried it and it didn't work for me. I, I had a reaction to it, but event, so I cut it out of my diet for a few years. And then I had to try it again at one Thanksgiving when we just ordered the most beautiful heritage bird and we made soup out of it. And I tried it and I didn't have a reaction. And so that's when I learned like there's a difference even with organic poultry. Wow. So how do you ensure that you're eliminating fluoride sources and how can we better protect ourselves? So for me, it's easy because I have a skin reaction. So I know when I mess up, I know when I ate something that's high in fluoride. Um, for other people, you could read books by people like me who are hypersensitive. You know, I have a cheat sheet there that lists everything out and, and the factors that I go through when I'm trying to figure out, you know, what was causing the reaction. Um, I also have a, a private Facebook group for people with um, 
fluoride hypersensitivity. So we're really very, we're like fluoride detectors, you know, figuring out what, what contains fluoride. Um, but the best ways are really the water, obviously, is a big one. So if you have a reliable source of fluoride-free water, you're cutting down on a lot of exposure. Um, your dental treatments, so your um, toothpaste, and when you go to the dentist, the fluoride trays, things like that. And then the third is pesticides. So if you're eating organic food, that will cut out um, a lot of your fluoride exposure as well. And then the last thing is just keeping in mind foods and beverages that are made with fluoridated water. Like I mentioned, um, like like soup. So say you're having, a, you go to a restaurant and it's organic chicken soup, but it was made with fluoridated water. You know, you're kind of <laughs> um, exposing yourself that way. So just thinking through those things. So I recently, probably like six months ago, got a Berkey water filter. And I also got the, there's an attachment that goes with it and it's a fluoride reduction. Um, that you can put into it. So it, like you can get a Berkey water filter and then you can get one that has like a fluoride reduction element that adds to kind of get rid of more toxins out of the water. Have you heard of the Berkey fluoride water filter um, or just the Berkey water filter itself? And what are your thoughts on that? Yes, I, I've heard of it. It's a great filter. It's, I'm not, for people with fluoride hypersensitivity, it's not one that I recommend. Um, it's always something you can test out and see if it removes enough fluoride for you. But the fluoride filter is activated alumina, which does reduce a lot of the fluoride, um, but over time it will be less effective. So you really need to stay on top of changing that filter out. Um, and a, a lot of people that I've heard from with, with fluoride hypersensitivity, it's not removing enough of the fluoride to completely eliminate their skin problems or whatever their reaction is. I've heard that from a few people. So I'm not sure what's going on, if it's just they didn't replace their filters on time or, um, or, or there's something going on there. Even reverse osmosis, which is very effective at removing fluoride, for some people it doesn't remove enough fluoride. They, they're still having these minor breakouts or smaller problems, and then they'll switch to completely fluoride-free spring water or a different type of fluoride-free water, and it goes away. And they've done this multiple times where they know, they're like, no, that's, it's the water that's causing it. So um, it depends on your sensitivity level to fluoride. I think for a lot of people, the Berkey is great, um, especially if fluoride isn't something you're worried about and you're just filtering your water for other reasons. But if you have a lot of fluoride in the water or if you're hypersensitive to it, um, it I would recommend maybe using the Berkey in combination with a bone char filter or something else that will really um, pull that excess fluoride out of the water. So what is your, in your opinion, what is the best water filter and what bottled water do you use? Oh, it's such a big question. I have a huge post on my website ab about it everything I know about filtering fluoride from water. Um, so it depends on, you know, where your, where your starting point is, what, what type of um, water you have. But I always recommend for people to do a 30-day challenge where they're completely fluoride-free. And the best way to do that is with distilled water because it's, fluoride has a, um, a, lower, a higher boiling point than water. 
water. So you will um, always have fluoride free water when you're drinking like the steam. So distilled water for 30 days will show you, it'll give you a baseline of what your skin is like without fluoridated water. And that can be very eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, and, and then after that, you, some people don't like to drink distilled water long-term because they either don't like the taste of it or they want something that has more, um, more minerals in it or a different pH level. So at that point, then I recommend, you know, finding a more long-term source of drinking water, um, which could be, there's a lot of spring waters that are low in fluoride. Um, the best way to know is to contact the manufacturer and ask them because they have to do a report every year and, and test for all these things. So you can ask them what the fluoride level is. Um, I recommend looking for something that's under 0.1 part per million, which is more in line with the, the average fluoride content of fresh drinking water. Um, so spring water is a good option or um, some people choose to drink distilled water long term. Uh, if you have a reverse osmosis system, that might, that might do the trick. That might take out enough fluoride or you could combine it with a bone char filter, which is a different um, fluoride media or a different filtering media that's really effective at removing fluoride. Now, and those are pretty inexpensive. You could put those on your whole house and then you'd have fluoride-free water to shower in and bathe in as well. Now, was your fluoride theory well-received by the medical community, especially the dental community, or not really? Uh, well, surprisingly, there are a lot of very open-minded people in the medical community. I'm always, I, I just saw the other day, there's um, a surgeon in New York. I forget his name. He has a podcast called Breathe Healthy, something like that. But he picked up the book and read it and did a whole episode about fluoride. So that's really, that's always really interesting to me when, especially when doctors or people in the medical community read it out of curiosity and, and start talking about the negative health effects of fluoride. The dental community is different because they, you know, fluoridation was their idea. They're the ones advocating it for, for it to be in the water, but not all dentists agree with that. And they, the American Dental Association has never done a survey to even see how many of their dentists have concerns about fluoridated drinking water. So now you see a lot of um, more holistic-minded dental organizations like the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, they are very against putting fluoride in the drinking water. So they've been very supportive. I interviewed um, Dr. David Kennedy um, about why the ADA is promoting fluoridation, even though there's so much science saying that it's not safe and it causes negative health effects. And so he, he really broke it down into the financial incentives behind it. And there's also, you know, a lot of their reputation is at stake if it finds out this thing that they've been advocating to add to the water for 70 years is actually harming us. Um, so there are people within the community that have been very receptive and supportive. Now, have you noticed any other positive health changes since you've eliminated fluoride besides your skin being a lot better? Yes. So the skin to me was just, um, you know, an outer symbol of just 
what was going on with me internally. And, and I talk about, I have a whole chapter in the book about depression. My whole life, I felt kind of low. And I just thought that was how it was. You know, I remember being a teenager and talking to my friends and, and them saying, I cry every night. I'd cry myself to sleep. And we were all like, oh yeah, that's what we do. We're girls, you know? <laughs> and I didn't realize that was depression. There was no reason for me being that sad. And, and I even have a chart in the book showing my mood through my life, you know, my teens, my twenties, my thirties. And it just, the chart mimics exactly the places where I lived that contained fluoride. Every low point was when I lived somewhere that contained fluoride. And then I would live overseas for a year and be just effortlessly happy all the time and not put it together. So now that I'm off of fluoride, I realize this is what life is supposed to be like. I'm supposed to wake up in the morning and feel excited about my day and feel optimistic about the future. Uh, I'm not supposed to just have this feeling of like, why am I here? Life is so long and boring, <laughs> which is what I felt like through, through much of my life when I was being exposed to fluoride in my drinking water. So that was the biggest thing. Also, like thyroid, you know, having a depressed thyroid, th th uh, fluoride will lower your thyroid function. So that was another thing that has just effortlessly normalized now that I um, am off of fluoride. Um, and then just you know, I'm an intelligence analyst, so I, I think for, for a living and, and I just feel like a lot more mental clarity after avoiding fluoride. So in my newest edition of my book, Waste Away, I talk about how people don't have to deprive themselves when it comes to food, but everyone needs to decide for themselves, like what are their red light, yellow light, and green light foods? Um, so what are your red light things where you go, look, I'm not going to have this because it's going to break me out and acne, I'm going to feel terrible. And then these are things that are like yellow light where you go, yeah, I might have a tiny bit of a breakout, but I'm going to go ahead and have a little bit in, in small amounts it's not the end of the world. That's a good question. I like that way of looking at things because it is kind of, there is a gray area there. Um, so my red light is things that I know are high in fluoride, um, conventional poultry products like chicken lunch meat, chicken hot dogs. I will not touch those. Um, black tea contains fluoride. So mm. I completely gave up black tea. That includes things like kombucha, which is really popular in health circles, you know, but it's made with black tea. So I don't drink that. I don't drink green tea either because it does contain fluoride, not as much as black tea, but I avoid that. Um, boxed breakfast cereals. If those are processed with fluoridated water, they'll be high in fluoride. So I don't eat breakfast cereal. I don't think it's particularly good for you anyway. So I just, that's on my list. Um, so and let's then when talk I go out the, to eat, like, oh, go ahead. Let's talk about the kombucha real quick before you move on to the rest of them. Um, because sure. that's so funny because we had another guest several months back and she talked about both of those things. Because I used to be, I used to drink at least, you know, one unsweetened tea a day and I would have either a green tea or a black tea. And once she said how much fluoride was in both of those, and she also said with kombucha, absolutely not. So um, talk about that a little bit more of why is there so much fluoride in the tea? So fluoride in tea is a very unique case. Tea is pretty much the only edible plant that just accumulates fluoride naturally from the soil. So it doesn't have to do with the 
certain pesticide. It doesn't matter if it's organic. It really depends on the soil that it was grown in and how much fluoride that soil contains. And fluoride is a very common element in the Earth's crust. It's naturally high in fluoride. So tea binds with the fluoride or it up, uptakes fluoride and it also uptakes very high amounts of aluminum. And fluoride and aluminum are often found together in nature. They just have an affinity for each other. So um, that is why tea is naturally high in fluoride. And scientists recently discovered that it actually contains much more than they previously thought because the way that they were measuring it, they would just measure for the fluoride. And it, they actually had a case where several people had um, skeletal fluorosis from drinking tea. And it's kind of like um, arthritis type symptoms. You have pain in your joints and bones. And they were drinking a ton of tea every day, like a gallon of tea a day or something. And the scientists said, well, this must be skeletal fluorosis. But then when they measured the fluoride in the tea, it was, wasn't particularly high. I mean, it was higher than fluoridated water, but not so high that they would think it would cause skeletal fluorosis. So they formed this theory that maybe the fluoride wasn't being captured in their test because it was bound with aluminum. So they dissolved the fluoride in the aluminum and they retested for fluoride and it was three times higher than the original test showed. So it just shows that that tea had much more fluoride than their current testing methods were able to measure. And that's why the people drinking the tea developed skeletal fluorosis. So that's kind of to the excess. If you drink a ton of tea every day, you could very well start experiencing symptoms of arthritis just because of the fluoride in the tea. Wow. So is there any tea that doesn't have fluoride in it, like hibiscus tea or any other tea? That is there any tea you will drink? Oh yeah, pretty much any other herbal tea. So like you said, hibiscus tea, I love raspberry leaf tea, peppermint tea, chamomile. All of these are low in fluoride because it's a completely different plant. It's only tea from the Camellia sinensis plant. So black tea, green tea, um, white tea also, although it's much lower in fluoride than the other two, but they all come from the same plant. So they will be um, they, they will be accumulating fluoride naturally. And I did learn this after I wrote the book, um, rooibos tea, which is uh, from South Africa, it also uptakes fluoride directly from the soil. So that can contain significant amounts of fluoride as well. It's also called, I think some places call it red honeybush tea, something like that. So black tea or rooibos tea will contain fluoride, but everything else, that's, that's what I drink now is herbal tea. So kombucha is off there. That's a red light for you. Black tea, green tea, breakfast cereals. What other foods are high in fluoride? Um, so a lot of foods, it's how they're processed. So like with the breakfast cereal, sometimes I like my, my yellow light foods would be something I'm not sure if it contains fluoride. Like right now um, they're making a lot of great crackers out of like these super seeds and I love them. They taste really good, but I never know how they're processed if they're processed in fluoridated water. So that's something I'll just try and see how my skin does. And then if I find a brand that I like, I'll, I'll stick with that. Um, other things on my yellow light list are um, seaweed. I love the seaweed snacks, um, but iodine will release fluoride from your body. So I get breakouts from iodine if I eat too much of it. Um, 
in, in too short a period of time. So my husband, he's able to eat like a whole pack of those seaweed snacks, but I can only have one because I know my skin will break out if I have more than that. Now, here's a question that I ask all my guests. Walk us through a normal day in the life of Melissa. Like, what did you eat yesterday and when did you eat it? Sure. So I, um, I, I am a smoothie person. I like using my Vitamix in the morning and just throwing in whatever I have. Right now I'm into like celery and fennel bulbs and I usually put some herbs in there from the garden like tarragon or stevia and then something frozen like either ice cubes or pineapple or frozen strawberry, something like that. I love starting my day like that. Um, I had, what did I have for lunch yesterday? Leftover tacos. We had just spicy taco meat, bunch of chopped up veggies, peppers, onions, tomatoes, and um, they make those really good paleo wraps now. I forget, I think it's almond flour, very tasty. Um, and then for, for dinner, I had um, mahi with mango shallot, salsa and um, mashed potatoes and leeks. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far, but as you know, I've interviewed over a thousand women and every time I've watched a thin eater eat, I realize that maintaining a healthy weight is a skill that can be taught and mastered over time. That's why I created a video course that will teach you all the tips that I learned to help me lose over 30 pounds. It's way more powerful to watch the thin eaters than even to listen or to read it. Go to ChantalRayWay.com video for a free glimpse. If you're wanting to take yourself to the next level, everyone needs a coach. Every professional player has a coach. We want to come alongside you and help you in your journey. Go to ChantalRayWay.com coaching. I just had someone listen to the audiobook three times and she just emailed me and she said by her listening to the audiobook three times, that's what did it. That's what allowed her to really lose the weight. We have an amazing offer for you. It's the second edition of my book, which has tons more information. It has the audiobook, the ebook. It normally runs for $29.99. You can get it today for $4.99. Go to ChantelRayway.com slash deal to get it. Now back to the show. Well, let's jump right into the listener questions. Um, this first one's from Kayla in Tucson. Hi, I want to limit my kids' fluoride intake, but how can I make sure they're still getting strong teeth? Is there something I can do or give them instead? Great question. So cavities are not caused by a lack of fluoride. No one has ever argued that. Um, dentists have postulated that adding fluoride um, will strengthen the teeth, but but taking away fluoride does not cause cavities. Cavities are caused by, by sugars and these simple carbohydrate, carbohydrates in the diet, which will um, eventually lead to tooth decay. So the best way to avoid cavities is to restrict your sugar intake and to make sure your kids are getting really nutrient-dense food in their meals. So a lot of healthy, fat-soluble vitamins and um, and and 
great vegetables and things like that will reduce tooth decay more than adding fluoride. And I found that it really helps if you have a dentist who understands that. And a lot of them do. Um, I always recommend going on the IAOMT's website, the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, who I mentioned earlier. They have a feature where they will help you find a dentist. And, and that way your dentist knows that um, they're not going to say you need this fluoride treatment to prevent cavities. They will help you truly prevent cavities by um, adjusting your diet and just maintaining proper um, oral hygiene. So it's much more important what your kids are not eating, um, you know, to make sure that you're limiting that sugar intake and, and getting a lot of nutrients in their everyday meals. All right, this next one's from Anonymous. I'm in college and I have cystic acne since I was 14 years old. I have tried everything. I've removed gluten, I've removed dairy, and I get laser treatments weekly along with chemical along with chemical peels. I've also removed so many things out of my diet. I've taken out gluten, I've taken out dairy, and I feel like I can't take out anything else because I'm already feeling deprived with taking so much out of my diet. Can you get a specialist on the show who specializes in cystic acne? I am 19 years old now, and I am on a low dose of antibiotics, but I feel like that's not good for me to stay on for long-term Help, Anonymous. So is it just kind of what would I recommend? Mm -hmm. um, so with, with the fluoride, it's uh, it's really easy to tell if that is a trigger for you because you're just eliminating fluoride. You could just start with eliminating fluoride from your drinking water and your toothpaste. Those are two really big sources that are really easy to swap out. And you might not see a complete um, elimination of your acne because there's still other sources. But if you see a, a dramatic improvement or you feel a reduction, then you know you're on the right path. So, um, so I recommend for people to start with that 30-day challenge. I, I, you can do it on your own, or if you go to my website, I have uh, hiddencauseofacne.com. You can put in your email, and I'll help you along. Every day, I'll send you a little email um, telling you about another source of fluoride. So you'll start just by eliminating fluoride in your drinking water. And, um, but then by the end of the 30 days, you'll have an idea of all the other ways that fluoride could be uh, making its way into your, um, into your daily life. So that 30 day challenge is free. It's easy. You're not making a big financial investment. You might have to buy water from somewhere um, uh, instead of drinking tap water. Um, but it's a really easy way to see if fluoride is causing your acne. And the great thing about eliminating fluoride is you're not giving anything up really because you could always make the food with fluoride-free water. So you can still have that food. Um, you're just making it differently um, because it's, it's not the food itself. It's the fluoride in the food that is causing the problems. The only thing I really had to give up was the black tea, but I found that raspberry leaf tea tastes very similar and, and I like it just as much. So that wasn't a big deal. Um, and if you have a certain type of breakfast cereal you like that you can't make at home, you know, that might be something you have to give up. But on the whole, um, you can still have a very full diet um, and try have a lot of different things without um, consuming a lot of fluoride. 
Awesome. Well, Hidden Cause of Acne is your book. I have a couple more questions, but I feel like that from listeners, but I feel like you've answered them already. I've asked you a lot of questions. So tell listeners, where can they find out about you and your work? So the website for the book is hiddencauseofacne.com. It's available at all major booksellers, or you can find it on Amazon or even um, overseas bookstores. And uh, that's where you can go for the the challenge if you want to do the 30-day challenge and just get a feel of whether acne or whether fluoride could be triggering your acne or other conditions. Um, Migraines is something common, or if you have low thyroid function, people have been able to resolve that by avoiding fluoride in their diet as well. So it's not just for acne. That's how I came to be interested in fluoride, but there's um, people um, in my Facebook group have all kinds of conditions uh, related to to just being exposed to fluoride every day. Uh, the Facebook group is called Fluoride Free Faces, so you're welcome to join us there as well. If you have questions along your journey to becoming fluoride free, um, there's a lot of really smart people in the group who are willing to help out along the way. Awesome. Well, Melissa, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you Thank have you. a question. Thank you. Great question. Yes. What's that? And I was just going to, I was going to do what I was going to tell everyone that if they have a question that they want answered, go to questions at chantelrayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.